Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Out of the Drying Pan, a Pokemon the Series podcast. Just a quick reminder, we are an E for explicit podcast, so listener discretion is advised. This week we are going to talk about some interesting new things. As you can tell, there's a new host. I'm still joined by my illustrious co-host, Austin. Illustrious. Illustrious. How are you doing, Austin? I'm okay. You're okay. Okay. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. We have a lot to talk about this week. As you can probably already tell, we have a little bit of a change up in our format. Uh, Jacob is not able to join us this week. We killed him and buried him under the floorboards. Yes. That thumping you hear, telltale heart, you know, that's just Jacob under there. It's not Halloween yet, Austin. Don't go too crazy. I'm excited for Halloween. I'm like already doing it. I like know. Like that concert last night. I was like, okay, wait, Halloween wait, 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 wait. time. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We got just one thing at a time, one thing at a time. So, yes, I've taken over as host this week. Hopefully, I can pull through. I'm completely improvising. Jacob is the master at this. So, Jacob, we miss you. Come back soon. (laughs) But if you're not already familiar with our podcast, we talk about Pokemon, various different things each week. This week, we're doing something a little different. We're not going to be discussing episodes in fact, we are going to be discussing The Electric Tale of Pikachu, Volume 1. So that's very interesting. But before we jump into that, we like to start out with a segment called Week Talk, where we talk about our weeks. So Austin, I'm going to kick it over to you. What have you done interesting this week? Well, what I did just now, I took a screenshot of us recording this podcast, and I'm going to send it to Jacob and say, missing you. That's embarrassing. Okay. I came home last night. To find oh my refrigerator door open. And how could that have happened? Bully the dog opened the fridge and raided it. <sighs> he ate cheese slices, oh my God. shredded cheese, and butter. At first, I... Th- oh, and also he took a salad kit and moved it to the bedroom and put it on the bed for decoration. That's amazing. So he had it open for several hours. So pretty much everything in there, I'm assuming, is bad. Because it was, like, room temperature. Ew. So I had to throw all the stuff away. I had just gone grocery shopping the day before. It never fails. Yeah. And so, okay, here's the thing. I thought he had eaten, like, just a little bit of butter. I thought there was only, like, just one little bit of butter left in the box. (laughs) And I had bought a new box of butter that had four sticks in it. Turns out he ate the four sticks of butter and left the other box there. Of course. Well, that was the bigger prize. Why wouldn't he eat that <sighs> so it was one in the morning and i'm like oh shit bully got into four sticks of butter so i call kelsey and i'm like kelsey what do i do and she's like call the animal hospital so i call the animal hospital and they're like okay calm down so let's see how it goes so the next day he's fine he's panting and occasionally like doing some deep breathing uh which worried me He's got the butter sweats. He's got the butter sweats. And I was told, because I eventually took him to his um, veterinarian, I was told that he probably has stomach cramps from eating all that butter. Yep. 
Uh, and, but it's coming through because his poop is butter yellow. Oh my god. It literally looks like butter. Like, you could spread it on toast. That, oh god, that poor dog. But it, but it has the consistency of regular poop. Like, dog stool. Yeah, but it's the color yellow. Oh god. Yeah, just, yeah, I'm pretty sure I said we are an E for explicit podcast, so... Anybody who was hoping to not hear about poop on the podcast, sorry, too bad. <laughs> we always talk about poop on the podcast. Yeah, why is that? That's kind of, I don't know. Poop's we ha- a part of life. Everyone poops. That is a book and everything. Yeah, could you imagine eating four sticks of butter? Like, that just sounds disgusting to me. Bully can. How much butter have you eaten in one sitting? Not four sticks. I'm trying to think of the most butter I've ever had at a single time, but I, I don't know. Probably, like, in something. Yeah, like, you wouldn't know it's there. Yeah. You don't just eat a chunk of butter. No. But Unless you're a stupid dog. <sighs> that dog. He's smart because he can open refrigerator doors, but he's dumb because he doesn't know what to do with that responsibility. That's the most shocking thing to me. Like, I'm really impressed with his, like, ingenuity and, like, opening the fridge door. But at the same time, I'm like, bad dog. <laughs> you know, some dogs are trained to open the fridge and get items from the fridge and bring them over to their owners and close the fridge. Yes, but not that's this a trained dog. thing and they know better not than this to... dog. Yeah, not this dog. This dog is a do-whatever dog. He's Okay, reminder, he's a foster. I got him when he was already old. I'm doing my best here. Yes. He's a long-term foster. He's a free-spirited dog. That's all right. And the baby locks for the fridge are on the way. They're in the mail. <laughs> He'll find a way to outsmart that, too. Just saying. He'll knock over the entire fridge and unplug it. Oh, God. I hope not. Keep us abreast on any bully updates. It's always something every week. Anything else that you did interesting this week, Austin? Why don't you tell me what else I did this weekend? Okay. Okay. I am going to use this platform to absolutely gush all over the place. I know that sounds really disgusting, but it's true. This is an E for explicit It is. It is. Austin... Let's find out the reason why you got back home so late last night. Because we went to a concert. We went to Alex's a concert. favorite band, Ghost. God, yes. I haven't been to a concert in years. I know, this was so crazy. First of all, I've been waiting for this moment for months and months and months. And the day finally arrived yesterday where Ghost was in town And we went to go see the concert, and Austin was gracious enough to go with me. Nobody else, I didn't have anybody else really to go with. Nobody else who's into Ghost. So, for the past several months, I've been needling Austin, trying to force him into this music, which he's such a good sport about it. Thank you, Austin. But we went last night, and it was absolutely amazing. Amazing. Probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. I don't go to a lot of concerts, but when I do, this was the best one. I don't always drink beer, but when I do... You drink beer. Dos Equis. <laughs> this podcast is not sponsored in any way by Dos Equis. So, Austin, will you finally tell me what your thoughts were? You wouldn't tell me yesterday. You said you wanted to save it for the podcast. Yeah, I don't really have any complicated thoughts other than I've not <laughs> been to a concert in a long time since pre-pandemic because there's a pandemic. I don't care what anyone says. There's still a pandemic. I was the only person in that fucking amphitheater wearing a mask. I'm just saying. There was a few. I'm going to say there was a few. Um, I enjoyed it. At first, I was kind of resistant because I was OCD about all the people. Like, literally OCD about all the people around me. I could tell. Yeah, I was a little. I was nervous. I was trying not to let it show too bad. But 
but then you're but then it dissipated you got into the music yeah we got we got past the opening acts and we got to the actual mainliner and that was much better (laughs) (laughs) do you say that because you like the music better or just because it had already been some time because i like the music better okay and it also was a better production value I mean, they are the the main act. Exactly. That's always how these go. The lights, the pyrotechnics, the smoke effects. I mean, it was fantastic. I've never seen... Pyrotechnics scared the shit out of me every single time. I know. Every time one of the fireworks went off, you, like, jumped visibly in your chair. I I was ready to get to the ground. I was like, someone's shooting. Down. Oh, God, no. There was safety protocols in place. It It was a very nice crowd, I thought. Except for the part where everybody decided to stand... We had seated tickets and everybody decided to stand and I was like, oh, I guess we're standing now. And, you know, of course, I'm still in recovery mode and my back wasn't doing so well. And I'm like, oh, God, but I have to bear it because I want to see every moment. You weren't going to let that stop you. I wasn't going to let it stop me. I had a fantastic time. It was literally amazing. I was like, what is the word I used last night? Oh, incandescent. That's how I felt. Effervescent, incandescent. I felt so happy it was an incredible show oh i'm just sad because now i have to wait for them to come back it's two in the morning i'm on the phone with the animal hospital alex is still texting me oh i'm so tingly (laughs) i know i couldn't really i couldn't like feel the vibe because of course bully had to like bring me down from my high with his antics he does that yeah he has a tendency to but overall fantastic fantastic experience highly recommend highly recommend if any ghost fans are out there listening shoot us a line in our twitter and other socials because we'd love to hear about your ghost experiences too at least i would alex Alex wants friends yes i do i want friends who also like ghosts because austin is not a ghost fan and that's okay that's okay but i like some of the singles yeah, the, I like the show. It was a fun show. <laughs> it was a fun show. I think it's it's metal music for all ki- kinds of people. Like it's it's easy to digest. How about that? Yeah, we met some very very happy people. There were some very happy people. It was adorable. I loved it. They were just as thrilled as I was. You can't bring people down. Music makes people feel things. I felt things. Well, you know, actually, music is for gatekeeping, and it's all about. Name five of their best albums kind of shit. No. It's all about letting other people be excluded and putting other people down. That's my experience with music fandom. See, that's the thing about the ghost fandom. I think, you know, I'm relatively a new fan of ghost, but from what I can see, I'm a lurker on different areas. I don't like contribute to conversation, but everybody's very welcoming. There's no gatekeeping. And I think it's, it shouldn't be like that. I think everybody should be able to enjoy it for whatever their own reasons are. Yeah, you can find Alex on the um, Ghost Discord. Yeah. And probably the Ghost Reddit. I just, I, I lurk there. I don't post. Okay. Anyway, fantastic time. That was definitely the highlight of my week. And what else? That was it, really. It was just feeling the vibe. Anything else? Anything else interesting you want to mention? Nope. Okay. We're recording another episode tomorrow, so I got to save the keep some stuff <laughs> keep the material going okay good point good point i've exhausted my entire catalog of stuff i did that was that was literally it so i was just gonna talk about bleach oh my god yeah okay we're gonna talk about that tomorrow okay. save it because i've also <laughs> okay. been doing that because you convinced me i'm such a bad influence i don't say or do anything but you're like i'm gonna do what austin's gonna do like a younger sibling i know like a puppy that just follows the owner around i'm gonna do it anyway like anyway i'm not the 
like transition master that Jacob is. So unfortunately, I don't have a witty pun prepared. But well, actually, I guess I do. I felt electric last night at the concert. And you know what else is electric? The electric tale of Pikachu, which is what we're talking about. That was really bad. That was really (laughs) fucking bad. (laughs) Let's talk about this. This is interesting. We're not talking about an episode this week. We're talking about this manga series, which Austin knows all about. Not really. Any background? I have some experience with this. Okay. Do you? Okay. At one point, I lent you... Okay. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. Let's go back. (laughs) All the way back. In the 90s, this was the Pokemon manga that Viz Media and, I guess, Nintendo were really pushing. Because, you know, this is a direct adaptation of the anime. I'm sure everyone... I'm sure a lot of people listening to this know that already. Direct adaptation? Well, I can argue that. More, okay. This is the direct adaptation of the anime in the same way Adventures is a direct adaptation of the video games, etc. Mm, okay. Stretch, but okay, okay. It's a loose adaptation. There okay. we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. Let's let's be real. So this is the one they were really pushing. So this is the only one I was aware of as a kid. And I actually... They had polybag collections of the American-style comic book publications of these. Interesting. So I got okay. the first two series, which is the first two volumes... Eventually, they would collect them as graphic novels, and I eventually, much later, when I was old enough to use the internet, I acquired these when they were a couple years out of print. Oh, Like, I would have gotten them around, like, 2004 or so. So they were still available, but much more so than they are now. I see. Okay. Because now they're harder to come by. But not nearly this hard to come by as Magical Pokemon Journey, which is another story (laughs) for another episode. There's so much Pokemon media. It's so overwhelming sometimes. Like, I was having a little bit of a crisis. I don't know why. This is just Pokemon. But I'm like, oh my god, there's so much. And I always am lamenting the fact that I'm never finishing any of this stuff. And I'm always bouncing around to things. I'm like, oh my god. Biggest multimedia franchise in the world. I know. It's almost impossible at this point. I think I, I think we have to come to the sort of realization that it's almost impossible to keep up with everything. I mean, for some people it is. For some people it's possible, but I'm not one of those people. I I can't live, breathe, eat Pokemon. I can't do that shit. I just can't. <laughs> We're not throwing shade at people who do, just to be clear. But when there's other factors, you know, like if you have a pet to take care of or a full-time job. I mean, personally for me, I agree with you, Austin. I think it's just difficult. Well, a lot of folks, Pokemon social media is their full-time job, but we're not those people. That would be so fun. Although, okay, I think I'm looking at it through, like, rose-colored glasses because I feel like it may be a harder thing than one would think. To be your own boss and have to be create creative content on a consistent basis? Yes, yeah. that would be very hard. Look how much work we put into this, and we this is a nothing podcast. Like, this is not <laughs> a big deal. <laughs> Let's we give have ourselves 17 some followers on Twitter. <laughs> and we appreciate every single one of you. Yes. Yes. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Like and subscribe. It. Yes. Oh, wait, we're not on YouTube. Yes. Leave five stars. Yes. However the rating system works. God, I'm a, a terrible social media person. Going back to the Pokemon manga. So this is not... Remind me, like, early on when we talked to Jacob about the manga in one of its forms, which was the one that was written by, like, the porn artist. This one. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> this is the porny one. Really? Okay. Oh. So, 
more information, and we're going to get into this more detail at a later time. Okay. I was thinking it was two different things. Okay. When it was moved from... Okay, obviously, it's a, it's a manga published in Japan, so it's published in magazine format first. Yes. But when they collected it into graphic novel format in Japan, they censored it somewhat. Mm-hmm. Then when they moved it over to the U.S., they censored it even more, like significantly more. <laughs> I feel like they would have to... Yeah, so look if you look at the pages, look at any page that has a female character, and mm-hmm. you'll notice there's a big white space in front of their bodies on their upper torso. Oh, because they edited their chest? Yeah, because they had ginormous bazoongas that they were <laughs> <laughs> made into, like, normal-sized human breasts. Okay, yeah, there was a couple moments that I, I saw in, in there that I was like, oh, yeah, this is a little bit, okay, they're kind of joking around about some sexual innuendo type stuff but it was pretty tame i thought even in its original format i don't think it was ever too risque i'm specifically thinking about that clefairy testicle thing okay that's a different story okay was that not this manga no okay that was a different thing that was the pocket monsters I'm starting a Twitter campaign to get that translated. I'm going to tweet Viz every day. Translate Pocket Monsters. Oh my gosh. Maybe not. We'll see. But they haven't done it by now. They're not going Maybe. to. Maybe. I'm not sure. That's the one with like Red grabbing his balls and all that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about it. Let's dive into this. Okay. Do you remember ever reading this? Do you ever remember yes. reading this? Okay. Yes, because you, I think, if I remember right, you had loaned this to me at some point several years ago. I have read this before. Okay. Did it leave any impression whatsoever? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I think so. It, like a nostalgic feeling and like okay. the art. I will say, that's okay, so my first impression of it is I like the art style. I really like the art style because it's really off model yeah it's not you would never see this today you don't think so you think it would be more closer to like the actual like anime style how they draw it in the anime or like the games or something i think these days they have a very tight grip on their intellectual property and they would make sure you follow more or less obviously everybody's an artist and everyone has their own style but they would make sure you stay by their standards that's kind of sad i feel like with such a far-reaching franchise like, giving the community a little bit of license to do creative things. I mean, not that that stops anyone. That's rife in the community. You know, people do all kinds of art and, you know, crafts and, and media and content and everything. And I know people do that. But as far as, like, an official source, I think they should. It's inevitable. I feel like it's inevitable. Just let people do it. I don't, this feels very Wild West to me. <laughs> like, we don't know what the Pokemon franchise is going to be. It doesn't really have standards at this point yeah so it feels very much like okay porn artists who we're gonna hire to do this for some reason (laughs) just kind of do what you want so the humans all look very different the backgrounds are very detailed and very distinct and very much of its own world Mm -hmm. and the pokemon themselves a lot of them are very much they look like themselves but some of them are a lot very detailed very scary looking yeah some of them are a little bit closer to like real life a little mm-hmm. in in that way you know i'm specifically thinking of like metapod metapod look kind of scary <laughs> it made me think of the detective pikachu movie designs a little bit yeah i could see that there's an element of like a little bit of real life but dramatization there it's a little bit um 
I don't know what the word is, like jagged, kind of like, you know, jagged lines, kind of sharp. Just a little, it's very, very visually striking as far okay. as the Pokemon design wise. I overall liked it. I thought it, it's a very interesting style. It's a departure than what we're used to seeing. It's not like cute and round and what you would think today. Like, oh, Pokemon, everything's cute. But it's a little bit darker elements. A little darker, a little bit more world building than we might be used to. Yes, which I, I know Austin has said several times before we started recording. I have extensive notes. Extensive notes. I do. So I know we're gonna, probably going to talk about that. So... And I did make some notes as well, because of course, you know me, my favorite thing ever to talk about is Pokeball mechanics, which there were a ton of in this. Oh my goodness. The Pokeball mechanics were so different. So different. I know. It was it was very interesting. So why don't we talk about it? We get into it a little bit more detail, starting with chapter one. You go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot to note the name of the chapter. They're all named. Chapter one, Pikachu, I see you. Yes, Pikachu, I see you. These are not the best chapter titles. No, I could have really kind of foregone the chapter titles. I mean, I just na- labeled them as chapter one, two, three, whatever. I mean, it doesn't really have a huge bearing on the story, but it's all broken down into like sections. You've got the initial Ash meeting Pikachu, then you've got like Cerulean Jim, Brock, you know, the the basic breakdown. So let's start out with Pikachu, I see you. In which we start off in Pallet Town. Ash and Delia are having a blackout at their house. Which I like this kind of element because this is, it's more of what you would think of if Pokemon were real. They hear a scratching in the wall and discover a wild Pikachu has been chewing on their electrical wiring. Isn't that adorable? This is much better than what the anime itself did. Yeah, in what way? This feels a lot more natural. Right. You find a, a pest in the wall. And Ash kind of ends up, like, stealing it, more or less. <laughs> Versus, like, the weird contrived Professor Oak gives you the last remaining Pikachu thing. Yeah. And I did think it was a lot more natural. I mean, there are some key differences, which I know we'll go through as we go along, as far as, like, you know, Ash doesn't... In the in the show, he starts out with, oh, he's late to Professor Oak. He's going to get his first Pokemon. The regional professor gives all the kids. None of that is happening here. None of it. This is much more organic, and I actually much prefer this. I honestly, thinking about it, I would have rather the show done it this way. Don't you think? I really wonder how the production of this went. Because, like, was this done before the, the scripting was completed for episode one? Or did they just know. give him free license to do anything he wanted? I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like there had to have been a basis of in some degree. But, yeah. but yeah, that's interesting. Which came first, the show or this? I don't know. I would love to know the timeline of it. Oh, there's so many behind the scenes things I'm sure we'll never know, but it kind of felt like sort of like Takashi Shudo-esque to me. You know, the light novels. Close, but not quite. Yeah. You mean like in tone? Yeah. I'd say this skews a lot further away from the show than the novels did. Yeah. I Like you said, this is, this was really cute. It was Pikachu acting as a wild animal mite, you know, a pest, an electric rodent who obviously choose on electrical wiring to get food energy kind of like a squirrel like if you found a squirrel in your attic chewing on something or a chipmunk digging in your next to your house or in your garden or something like that so ash you know delia's freaking out (laughs) she's like ash get rid of that thing catch it and he catches it with a rope shenanigans ensue all that stuff it shocks the hell out of him and 
finally he gets control of it and she says, well, go and bring it back into the woods because it's a wild animal. Release it somewhere away from here. And he doesn't get that far because he runs into (gasps) his arch rival, Gary. Yay! Gary, who's fresh from, like, the Jiffy Lube. (laughs) Yeah, what was going on with his, like, one piece outfit like he it said like tilly mart i noticed that on his little badge i thought it said poly mart does it or no jiggly mart is it jiggly mart oh my god jiggly mart all right well gary apparently works at an auto repair store because he's like in a mechanic's (laughs) uniform for some reason on his little floating motorbike that was adorable i want to know more about the floating motorbike everything floats in this world At least he's not being driven around by a gaggle of 20-something-year-old women. Yes, they're thankfully MIA. Yeah, he's got his hover scooter instead. The world itself is very different. Like, look at Ash's, Ash and Delia's house. Instead of, like, their modest cottage house, two-story, but, um, you know, it's on a dirt road and such, Pallet Town seems a lot more suburban than it does as we're used to it. Like, they're living in, like, you know, a fairly large suburban home. With, like, a sidewalk and a greenway and stuff. Right. There's, like, actual roads and and such. Like, paved roads. Is that, what do you think, better or worse for, like, Pallet Town? Because Pallet Town has always been portrayed as, like, a very rural area. I think in the lore it makes more sense for Pallet Town to be, like... Country. The the countryside. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a mountain mountain village town. Yeah. This, I mean, it was an interesting spin on it. I do agree. The technology is, like, way more, like, Blade Runner cyberpunk (laughs) than we're used to. Yeah, which we will see. Oh, my gosh. Yes, Ash runs into Gary. Gary's rubbing it in his face that he's just got his Pokemon license and his Pokedex. And he gets to be out of school because when you're a trainer, even though you're 10 years old, you get to be truant from school. There it is. There it is. Yes. You get a leave of absence from school. I'm glad they kind of acknowledged it because... It still doesn't make sense to me. They're only 10 years old. Clearly, they act a lot older, but they are just going off and doing shit. And But I think later on in a few chapters from now, we do see from Ash, we get a little um, insight into it's only a sh- short temporary time. Like if you can't hack it as a Pokemon trainer, like you have to, if you're not by, like a certain rank by a certain point or something like that, I figured, you know, you have to go back to school. It's not like right. indefinite. It's We kind of get some interesting little like, overlaid throughout the story um exposition on pokemon like what are pokemon which i thought this was really interesting it notes that they're distinct from other biological life forms meaning that there's other animals which we do see in the early show and in and in this there were some yeah little animals here and there yeah so they exist concurrent like alongside other animals they're not the only species on the planet but they're all one species. They're like dogs. Yes, it's that was interesting too to know. Isn't that weird? Like a polywag is the same thing as like a rhydon. Like isn't that weird? That is so wild. That is that's cool a little bit. That, it makes them more magical. Yeah. Like these are like foreign bodies. Like these they're these do not obey any kind of science we understand. It's. I wish they would have gone into that more a little bit, but that's as much kind of teaser as we get. The other interesting thing is. The laws regarding who can own Pokemon, it kind of says, you know, people have appropriated Pokeballs to keep them as pets, but only licensed people are legally allowed to handle Pokemon. So anybody that you see 
like Delia having a Mr. Mime apparently would be illegal. Like you can't have them as like pets or for fun or anything like that. You have to be a licensed, trained Pokemon trainer. Which consists entirely of an afternoon lecture (laughs) and a brief test, which Ash handily passes. You know, honestly, I felt like this wasn't a true, really a departure from normal everyday things like boating tasks or, you know, driver's licenses or whatever. I mean, you just have to take a small test and that's all it takes. Let's not talk about how I failed the driver's test three times. No, wait, two times. Really? Oh, Lord. I Because I had the mean old man who wouldn't let me get the damn license. Okay. <laughs> you should have. If Jacob was here, he would tell you all about how he charmed his driving instructor. Uh, I don't know if I believe that. Hmm. I believe Jacob can do some shit. Let's, let's talk about Jacob in his absence so he can't defend himself. Yeah, say whatever you want because we can leave it Hi, or Jacob. cut it in post-production. But Oh, we're keeping it. Okay. Regardless, Ash, it was, we skip forward. Ash is still having trouble with Pikachu. Officer Jenny shows up, which this is not Officer Jenny as we know her. Yes. I have a spoiler. Spoiler. Spoil me. This is not Officer Jenny. Oh, fuck. I was wrong. Officer Jenny proper will appear later. So these are just other police officers that aren't Jenny's? These are just other sexy police women who wear fishnets and high heels and short skirts. And drive around on hover scooters. Yes. Yes. Wow. She does look like... I think she was supposed to be Jenny, but proper Officer Jenny will appear later. I'm shocked. I really... She looked good. Yeah, she looked like... I was like, She looked really cool. Sexy Officer Jenny. But okay, we'll meet real Officer Jenny later then. Anyway, they let him go. They're like, you better fucking keep your Pikachu under control because if I come back to, like, a crater in the middle of my town, you're going to be arrested. So, of course, Gary shows up again, and he is doing very well for himself. He's already got six Pokeballs on his belt. And what do those Pokeballs have on them as signifiers? Numbers. (gasps) Holy crap. I know. Because the past few episodes that we've been talking about, it seems like Ash and Misty have had extreme trouble telling their pokeballs apart so this would be helpful for them i think okay let's should i give you the pokeball mechanics or do you want to do it go for it okay so seemingly when you catch a pokemon the pokeball becomes part of the pokemon right that's what i concluded in what way okay so first of all if you have it in its pokeball it'll have a number on the button that'll indicate in what order you caught them yeah that's interesting i like that but um the other thing is when you release a Pokeball from its Pokeball, seemingly the Pokeball itself shifts into the Pokemon. Really? Okay, I Did must have missed... Did you get that missed... visual cue? I must have missed that panel. All right, uh, there's a couple instances where I'll point it out. Like, when it turns into the Pokemon, the button stays on the Pokemon oh, with a little number is as that a signifier. what that was? I think so. I think that's what we're supposed to interpret. Okay, yes, I did see that like there was a few drawings panels where Pidgeotto had a round emblem sort of thing on its chest and I was like is that like what is that is like a a drawing error or like no it's consistent yeah now that you mention it I do recall that so that's what that is Mm -hmm. that's interesting all right cool I I don't know how do how would we feel if that was the case in the in the show I think that'd be too complicated to include in the show. Yeah. I don't know. It's so iconic for them to, like, be energized into light and then pulled into the Pokeball. 
I never was, I know this is probably going to be a polarizing opinion, but I was never a fan of the shrinking down. Mm-hmm. I like it when they're energy and they go into the ball. Well, when we see when he catches Firo later, the ball itself like kind of splits in two. Yes. And then Firo kind of shrinks down and the ball recloses around it. Yeah, so apparently the shrinking mechanism is how it works in this too. Oh, you would hate adventures. Uh, I know you, you see can them see shrink. them in the ball. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I don't like that. I know it's probably a an unpopular opinion, but that's just me. We're all free to have our own opinions, right? Mm-hmm. Gary has six Pokemon. We don't get to see what they are yet, but he runs away and Ash then runs into a girl named Misty. And her changing outfit. Yeah, her outfit does change. She looks really different. She looks like she has black hair. I mean, I know this is obviously a graphic novel printed in black ink, but it's very dark hair. It, it's black hair. <laughs> yeah. She looks really different. She's got a totally different like attitude. She's pretty different than her, her show and game counterparts. Any thoughts on Misty? Um, Misty's kind of cool. I will note they censor her a little bit because you'll see on one panel she has a white shirt. Mm-hmm. And then later they censor it so it's an all black t-shirt so they can get rid of the cleavage line. Oh, is that why? That's why. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the, the black outfit was kind of jarring because it's literally like a giant ink blot on the page. Oh, we'll it's get like to that. We'll get to that. So <laughs> black. I'm like, okay. We will get to that. Okay. Okay. Misty gives us a lecture. She's basically like... Ash, you're an idiot, as she usually is. Yeah. She gives some some statistics on Pokemon trainers and how every year there's 1,000 trainer applicants. Of that 1,000, 200 go pro. Then 10 stay active for six seasons. Is that league, like Elite Four type? I'm assuming she means participate in six leagues. Okay. So one, or rather one out of every 100 trainers goes professional. That seems about right. I mean, it yeah. seems like a rare thing. Otherwise, you end up working for Electrode Electric or the Jiggly Mart. Which are not bad things. We can't <laughs> no. all be professional athletes. No, it makes a lot more sense that there's normal people in the world doing normal jobs. I think it's actually really cute. Like Electrode Electric. I like Minky's department store. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and there was something later. It was like Geodude skate- skateboards oh, or something. Cute. Like, Yeah, it was cute. Yeah, Misty... Well, Pikachu takes an extreme liking to Misty. He tries to follow her after she leaves, after giving Ash a hard time. Um, and this is where we get the iconic flock of Spearows moment. Looking vicious. This was a little different, though. This was a little different than how we normally are used to seeing it. Because the Spearows... Well, Pikachu goes to try to find Misty, runs through the tall grass. The Spearows don't like this. They're territorial. Start attacking Pikachu and get their Firo leader involved, mm. which we do not see in this show. Eventually, Ash steals the bike, as is tradition, and then the Spearows and the Firo draw blood from Ash's face. D- oh, is that what that was? It was blood pouring from his face and dropping onto Pikachu's head. I thought that was raindrops. I thought so, was too, I but wrong? I looked at it. it. You could see wounds on his face where the blood was <laughs> congealing. <laughs> And then running down the side of his face. That's metal. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. I thought it was raindrops because, like, you know, obviously the storm starts brewing and all this, but I wasn't aware that was blood. I like this a lot better now that I know it was hardcore. Yeah, Alex likes blood. She likes children to be attacked by giant raptors flying through the sky. Yeah, exactly. 
sorry, I'm fresh out of a metal concert, so I'm like, yeah, awesome. That's so fucking hardcore. Blood dripping down his face. Well, I mean, a million birds pecking at your pecking at you. You're gonna be bleeding. That's true. That is true. I've never been attacked by a bird, but I did know somebody who was attacked by a bird. And also, if you've seen that show on Netflix, I think called The Staircase. That's a terrible story about a lady who was attacked by an owl. Oh, wow. Birds can do some damage. That's what I'm trying to say here. Really interesting if you're into true crime. Anyway, back to Pokemon. So, Ash... Wait, I'm sorry. True crime? But it's about a bird attacking people? Well, it's a murder story. They thought... They thought... Did the owl... Oh, they thought a person did it, yes. but an owl did it. A, that's the theory. There's no concrete evidence, but it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Oh, that's like that Edgar Allan Poe thing where they think there's a murderer, but it's actually an escaped chimpanzee that st- stole a razor. Actually, chimpanzees are fucking terrifying. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, my- that poor lady. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to talk about that. Holy shit. All right. Back to Pokemon. Pokemon would be scary, is what we're saying. If they existed in real life, yes, they would. So Ash is able to overcome the Spearows, fight them off. Pikachu does his heroic thunderbolt and kills all the spearows and weakens the fero just enough for ash to catch it <gasps> wow that's interesting how do we feel about this that he love caught it. the fero love it yeah honestly i think that would have been like a big i don't know it's just like a big middle finger like screw you spearows do you know who i am spearows <laughs> i see this is totally the fero in that one episode where pidgeot has to stay to protect the pidgeys yeah, this was what could have been that we didn't get in the show. And I don't know if you guys remember, we we were talking about you guys, I say as if, as if Jacob's still here. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Ash tried to catch that Fero in that episode, and we were like, Ash should have caught the Fero. Well, surprise, surprise, our dreams were realized in this. Mm-hmm. Which, mm, I don't know, because later on, I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, he does catch Pidgeotto. And I don't really know how I feel about him having two birds on his team. I think they should be best friends. Best friends? Yeah. Best frenemies. Okay, I'm going to do chapter two. All right, go for it. Chapter two, we've caught Firo. We're on to better things now. Well, first, um, chapter one, no Ho-Oh, no Team Rocket. <gasps> oh my god, that's what was missing. It was Team Rocket. There is no Team Rocket in this entire volume. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that's that, that nagging feeling that was in oh my Oh my gosh. You didn't even realize it. No, I was like, well, we've skipped ahead. Like, we're, we're like, moving along at this fast pace. You know, now we're in, like, Pewter City and all this stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. something's something's different, but I can't quite place it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. No Team Rocket. I'm sorry, Jesse and James. I forgot all about you. Spoilers. They're coming. Okay. All right. Chapter two. Play Misty for me. What does that mean? Play Misty for me? What is What is the pun? It's probably obvious and we're just stupid, but that's all right. Yeah, that's true. We're used to being stupid. Um, Like I was (laughs) noting, the backgrounds are very detailed and very, like, rural meets Mm cyberpunk-ish. Because they're on a floating truck of hay bales going (laughs) through the countryside and passing, like like, a futuristic power plant. Like, in a rural area. So it's really interesting to look at visually. Mm -hmm. Ash and Misty are um, together, and we get some bickering going on, in which it's revealed that Misty wants him to pay her back for her very expensive custom bike. Uh, And if he can't pay it, maybe his parents can pay it. Parents. Plural. Yeah, and he doesn't dispute this either. He's like, yeah, I don't want to burden them, though. So, where's his dad? God, I want to see. We'll never know. We'll Uh, never know. Okay. 
she's going to tag along. We're used to this. She's going to tag along for now. We get some exposition on Ash's team. He caught a... What we're used to, he caught a Caterpie and a Pidgeotto. And all of them have names. This was super cute. Okay, so Pikachu's canonical name is John Luck Pikachu. Jean-Luc or is it John Luke? Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Pikachu. And he's got the I don't know if you've you've noticed it, but he's got the little Star Trek badge of on his chest. I it. Okay, I'm not a Star Trek person. I'm not a Trekker or a Trekkie. Trekkie. Clearly Toshio Ono was a very big fan of Star Trek the Next Generation. That's adorable. Jean-Luc Pikachu. Jean-Luc Pikachu is his cano- that's his Christian name. <laughs> we also have Fearless the Fero. Uh, Walter Pidgeotto. What is that a reference to? There's someone. There was an actor named Walter Pigeon. Walter Pigeon. I swear to God. Who is Walter Pigeon? Walter Pigeon was a Canadian American actor who won two Academy Awards for Best Actor. What was he in? Would we know him from anything? Uh, no. Okay. This is the 40s and 50s. Okay, now I'm feeling bad again because this we ran into this problem when we talked about the Groucho Marx episode a few weeks back. We clearly had, like, anything before, like, the 70s, we're like, <laughs> We're bad hosts. We should have done our extensive research into things that people don't really care to know about but might find interesting. Yeah, we don't do black and white movies. Sorry, y'all. So this was a this was an actor from the 40s and 50s era then? Uh, yeah, I don't recognize a single, single one of these movies. Okay, clearly we need to brush up on our old-timey films. Oh, he was in fun- he was in a Funny Girl movie. Okay, anyway. That means nothing to me, but okay. <laughs> like the musical, Funny Girl. Um, right, yes, sure. Okay, let's get into Leo and Michelle. No, let's not. Um, okay, also there's Felix the Caterpie, who evolves into Felix the Metapod. Felix the Cat. Cute, 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 cute. Ash goes off to battle Brock, who is very muscular and very tall and very adult looking and has on a military fatigue tank top. Ooh. And he has two Geodudes and an Onyx and Ash wipes him out pretty easily. All right. Bye, Brock. Wait, I need to talk about how cool, visually speaking, Onyx was. Onyx. Oh, my God. Onyx looked bomb bomb.com and geodude looked pretty cool too i don't know onyx looks they really scary the eyes they made the eyes less cartoony yeah the eyes so onyx's eyes are black like the black sclera you know instead of white and then like the white pupil so he looks very vicious so that's it that's not that's all for brock no more brock ash and misty continue <laughs> ash is gonna take the bus to cerulean city question mark would you not take the bus if you had the option? I guess you can just do that in this. Makes more sense. Public transit is a very good option. Yes, so they bypass Mount Moon for now. Just like in the show, Ash and Misty kind of go their separate ways on their way to Cerulean City. On the road to Cerulean, to Cerulean City. City. Okay, I'm sorry. And Ash arrives at Cerulean, um, which is like kind of cool looking. Again, it's like a water, it's like an on the water town. Yeah. And the gym itself is really cool. It's like a giant aquarium with giant whales and, and man of wars and all sorts of stuff in it. Um, we go over to the reception desk where we meet the Cerulean or the Sensational Sisters, Ooh. who are very different. They are very different because they're like actual people. They like actually actual like human beings, adults who are like dressed in blazers. Like they look very professional. 
Like, when we see them in the mm-hmm. show, they're very, like, valley girl, like, oh, my God, Misty, like that. And this one, they're very level-headed, actually. They're very professional. I think Daisy gives us a little bit of exposition, doesn't she, about, like, how the badges work or something? A little bit. A little like, bit. Ash is going to compete on the cerulean level. Yeah. Which is, that's kind of an interesting thing, and it kind of gave me Scarlet and Violet vibes um which we've talked about a little bit on the podcast but for those who aren't aware and this may or may not be a spoiler i don't really consider it to be a spoiler because i think it's been an official stuff but you can take the gyms in any order right but they don't scale is what we've been told right so in in scarlet and violet no they don't scale but in this instance it seems like it does scale so ash is competing on the quote cascade level oh sorry i misspoke earlier yeah the cascade level right which is funny because the levels, the eight ranks of gym battle difficulties just so happen to align with the eight gym badges that we're familiar <laughs> with in the order you get them, which is odd. Would it be, okay, question then, would it be like if you went to Pewter City's gym and you did that one first, would that be? Brock gives Ash the Pewter City, what is that one called? The... Oh my god, we're such bad Boulder badge. The boulder badge. Brock gives him a boulder badge. But if you went to Erica first and beat her... Would she give you the boulder badge? Would she give you a boulder badge? I mean, what if? That would be really cool, though, right? That sounds confusing. That's that's bad theming. I mean, yes, but... um, According to what Daisy said, that's how it works. Yeah, apparently so. Anyway. Huh. I'd just like to note, the reason Daisy's wearing, like a pencil skirt and like a blazer is because they censored her from wearing a swimsuit is that the reason that's the reason (laughs) oh here i am i'm going off i'm like oh my god they look so professional with their blazer she looks like a tour guide or something you know how you would see if you were at an aquarium like she looks like she's i mean it makes sense she was at the reception desk but she would be in a swimsuit at the reception desk yeah that doesn't really make the most sense but whatever funny okay Oh my gosh. Okay, so speaking of uh, censorship, Misty appears and reveals she's also a gym leader. And the the sisters are all very nice to her. Yeah, they're not anything like their show counterparts where they were ragging on her. And I think I got into this deep dive of why I hated them so much because it gave Misty a complex. Yes, you did. But in this, Ash is the only one who's an asshole to her. And one of them, I think it's Lily kind of laughs when Ash calls her a loser Oh, right. But other than that, they don't they're not mean to her at all. I mean, it's like, "How was your trip, Misty? How are you doing? Welcome yeah, back." Like normal people do. Right. That's normal how normal family. people would treat their child, 10-year-old or 12-year-old. Uh, we should know, she's 12 years old. She's older than yes. Ash. And they they think that Misty has a thing for younger men, which <laughs> gross. Okay, but whatever. Well, if we go by pseudo logic, everyone can get married and stuff at 10 and so Misty is going to be the gym leader for today. And so she changes into her, her very sexy swimsuit outfit. Her very sexy, like, diver suit that's like a one piece. Which admittedly makes sense for her to be wearing a diver suit. But do you know what she was wearing in the Japanese version? I'm sure she was wearing, like, what, nipple tassels or something? I mean, kind of. Okay, that's not as bad as I was thinking. Okay, so for for um, context for the audio base listeners, in the 
censored version, she's wearing a diver suit, like a like a wetsuit. You know, long legs, the sleeves, all that stuff. Totally one piece. In the non-censored, oh my gosh! Okay, there's a panel at the bottom with her, like it actually zooms in on her. <laughs> yeah, it's still okay. So it's like a Borat costume, basically. <laughs> it's got. A, it's got. She's got a um a neckline that's like it's like a diamond cutout. Like right. it's around her neck and then like her entire cleavage area and belly button. Like it's a huge diamond cutout and her, her breasts are just covered. And the entire back is exposed. Yeah. So And obviously it's a bikini cut in the bottom too. Yeah. By Pokemon standards, I say that's fairly erotic. I mean by Pokemon standards. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> we're on a we're on a curve here. But okay. I think I do think it gets a bit much when we get several panels of Ash staring at her boobs and ass. I mean, yeah. Which he still does in the American version. Yeah, and then and then in the final panel, and that's why I was kind of like, what is happening here? Because he gets a shelter thrown at his face, and it makes sense because he was ogling. Yeah, he's still ogling her, but... Yeah. Okay, anyway, just pointing that out. That's interesting. The challenge is actually really cool. Misty has her Gyarados exclamation point. Her scary-looking Gyarados that looks like it came from the bottom pit of hell. That is awesome. <laughs> it looks really cool. To steal Ash's hat. And then she wears it. And she's actually really cute wearing the hat. Yeah, that's the challenge. It's kind of a... I don't know. It's supposed to be Orange Islands in the fact that it's like not just necessarily a battle. It's like, you've got to take this hat from me. I thought it was really cool. And there's this really fun montage. Pikachu has PTSD from Gyarados scaring the hell out of him. And he refuses to move. Yeah. And then it gets wacky because Firo has put up a do not disturb sign around its neck. Oh, yeah. It's sleeping because it's got like narcolepsy or something. Pichiotto's gone off for like a countryside vacation and left a note saying, went off for some R&R. See you later, um, Pidgeotto. Can we talk about how Pidgeotto can write in English? Yes, he can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That was really unexpected. How did that come to be? We get no further any sort of comment on this. Pidgeotto apparently knows written English and can communicate on a human level. Okay, so I have several questions. Yes. In this world of the Electric Tail Pikachu, can all Pokemon write in human language? That's a good question. Or is it just this one? <laughs> is this a special Pidgeotto? <laughs> is this like Meowth in that it's the only one that can speak? That's my other question. In all... Okay, Meowth, can, he can read and write, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yes. Because he read from the storybook. That's how he learned how to talk. Right, so he can okay, read... Okay, so, so Meowth could write a letter to you. Yes. Okay, just making Presumably. sure. Presumably. Meowth could post on, like, Twitter and, like, get into online arguments. Interesting. That's probably what he does in his spare time. Him and Pidgeotto. Yeah. There's one thing that I want to note at this point, and it's Misty. And I don't necessarily... And I'm assuming we're not doing our typical, like, most valuable, least valuable character at the end of this. But I do have a little bit of a problem with Misty in this part because she... So all of his Pokemon are refusing to fight with him um, for their various reasons. And she kind of gets on him a little bit and says, Well, maybe your Pokemon would actually listen to you if, all, if you did more than just play with them and, like, care for them. Instead of treating them like pets or toys she says toys mm -hmm. but if you actually like 
rode them hard and, you know, trained them to battle, they'd actually listen to you. I'm willing to be with Misty on this because she's been with him the whole time up to this point, more or less. I don't know. I don't feel like it's a bad thing to, like, treat your Pokemon nicely. And yeah, he hasn't been, like, training them and, you know, being like an AJ to them, but they don't have any respect for him, I guess, at this point is what she's saying. True, true. Anyway, eventually luck goes on Ash's side and Metapod evolves into Butterfree. So Ash is able to knock out Gyarados with Sleep Powder. And then things get kind of wacky when he throws Firo's favorite meal of dumplings onto the hat. So Firo gets the hat. Yeah, dumplings. Oh my god. With soy sauce. That's his favorite meal. Um, not jelly donuts. So does Ash... I think at one point they do talk about how he makes their Pokemon his own... Like their own recipe. Like everyone has its own... Yes. Food. Like Pokemon They all food. have special human food recipes. So he just feeds them people food. It seems like it. Okay. That seems on par for Ash. Like, here's some just a bag of chips, you know, Caterpie. Here's a dumpling or a soda or whatever it is. Here, Bully, take four sticks of butter. <laughs> Don't feed your pets butter. Thank you. Yep. That's pretty much it. We get some more teasing about Misty liking younger men. Ooh la 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 la. And Ash runs away teasing her. But I like this point. Should we mention Ash's hat and its design? What specifically? It's completely different. Oh, yeah. Was it more like, like what, Red's hat or something? Or It's like all red and it has a stylized PM for Pocket Monster logo that we see on the Pokedex, on Misty's little bathing suit, on everything. Yeah, he's, his shirt sleeve has Pocket written on it. Right. At one and it's point. all red. So that's a lot more like red. Is this like... Generation one red. Branding like akin to what Nike or something would be like an athletic kind of brand or something it must be i really like the logo the p with the m and the m kind of looks like pikachu's tail yeah i do like that but i kind of got that vibe i'm like is this like branding like just brand name like recognition i'm assuming it's the pokemon league insignia did you send in a thousand postcards to get that hat ash i sent in a million postcards for that hat (laughs) yeah that was interesting i do like that the pokedex looks cool Oh, and it has, like, hologram technology. Yeah, it, like, slides out. Like, instead of the clunky thing we're used to, n- sorry, no offense, Dexter, but it's, like, it slides out and this, like, holographic image comes up on it. Like the cross transceiver from Black and White. Yes. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Sixth Generation. What is that one called? Fuck if I know. It's not the Rotom Dex, and so that's okay with me. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's some sort of other <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> What's our newest iteration? We get the Rotom phone in the new right. games, right? Right, it's an app on the phone. Yeah. Okay. Which makes sense. Okay. Yeah, Rotex. Rotex. Rotom Dex is here to stay. That's all right. As long as it's not... Okay. Hot take. I'm sorry if this is offensive. I wasn't a fan of the Rotom Dex in Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun and Moon. It was way too annoying. It was always chiming in with some shit. I'm like, I don't need you to tell me half the shit you're telling me. It's like, press on my face to bring up the map. And I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. Sorry, I wasn't a big fan of the Rotom Dex. He's so cute, though. Aesthetic aside, I thought he was a little overbearing at times. Just you wait till we get to the Sun and Moon anime in, in 19 years. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Chapter Thank God three, that's Clefairy 19 Tales. years from now. Clefairy Tales. You want me to talk about this one? Your turn. Okay. All right, so we do another time cut. Fast forward. I'm not really sure how much time has elapsed after our Cerulean gym battle, 
in this segment, Ash is doing some, I guess he's doing some kind of, like, field work for his, like, trainer rank to increase. It kind of reminded me of, like, I guess Mystery Dungeon, where you would go to, like, the board and, like, take jobs and, and do odd jobs for, like, money or leveling up type situations. The, the whole ranking system is very confusing. It was very confusing. So he's doing, so it, currently he's chasing down a manky horde, trying to catch a bunch of mankeys, and he brings them back to the Pokemon Center, and the receptionist, who is not Nurse Joy, says somebody else, mm-hmm. tells him that, no, it doesn't work like that, just because you caught a, it's not qual- quantity of Pokemon, it's the kind of Pokemon that you're catching. So in order for your rank to go up, you have to catch rare or valuable Pokemon. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. That is weird. So is that is that separate from like the gym challenges? Because I thought that's how their trainer rank went up. But apparently, exactly because is... he said I'm still at the Cascade level. Shouldn't I have gone up? Yeah. Which doesn't make sense because why are you getting the badges right. in that case? Yeah, that was my question. I was like, maybe Austin has some more insight. Nope. So. Either way, either method works. Either you can do gym challenges or you can do these, like, errands, theoretically, I guess, to raise up your rank. That's how it's seeming. Weird. Anyway, his his efforts were really in vain because Mankey are very common Pokemon that absolutely do nothing to increase your rank. As are the Beedrill he caught. That wasn't clear. I had to go back and read that. So apparently, while he was chasing the Mankeys down, he runs into a Beedrill nest and a swarm of Beedrills starts attacking smash cut he has a beedrill i was like oh i guess he caught one okay but those are shitty rank d pokemon not like giselle's amazing rank a pokemon oh yeah we get a little giselle cameo because she's super awesome and cool who hey you know, giselle yeah i thought she was gonna like have more of involvement but she just was in the background too bad so regardless he's kind of ash is bummed out that he hasn't gone up in rank so he comes across a shady establishment a shop where this sleazy vendor pops out of the wall and like offers to sell him a map to find a super secret special pokemon called a clefairy this is very magikarp salesman i love this map that he trades the minky for the map and it's like a drawing of a hill and it says there are be clefairy i know <laughs> with an arrow <laughs> that was amazing and ash is like this map fucking sucks i can't find anything from this map and ends up spending three weeks in the wilderness because the map was useless. This is not advancing his rankings, this side quest. No. You only have so many days off of school, Ash. Yeah, he wasted three weeks of that. How long do we think that they get to be out of school? I don't know. A few months, maybe? We'll find out. I guess it depends on how well you do. Yeah, I guess if you're consistently moving up in the ranks, maybe you get more time added on to your whole allotment. But if you're, you know, fucking around, then... Oh, no. It's Ash's greatest weakness. Fucking around. Fucking around and finding out. The story of Ash. Anyway, so he spends three weeks in the woods. How he hasn't died of starvation, I'm not really sure. But Pikachu is tired of his shit. And at the end of this, they finally, finally spot a Clefairy who is, like, wearing a necklace. They rush after it, and that Clefairy outsmarts them and tricks them into an onyx nest. Onyx and its cool eyes. It, well, yeah, with the cool eyes, this Onyx is pretty awesome. And I honestly wish he had caught one. But I guess that's a Brock Pokemon, so Ash can't have that. And Onyx practically kills Ash. He uses Butterfree to do a psychic move. 
um, and it causes a cave-in because it's thrashing around after it's became confused, and he's crushed by the rocks. And when he wakes up, he's surrounded by Clefairy. Well, actually, let me go back a little bit. He has, like, kind of a dream where... This was something we didn't talk about in the past this couple This is what chapters. you were wanting to talk about earlier. What? Is this the weird sexual part? I mean, not really. I mean, that was part of it. But basically, we were introduced earlier. We we skipped over this. Gary has a sister named May. Oh, yeah. She gives him a town map. Which is, that's on par with the game. But his sister's name is May and Ash has a little crush on her. And he is dreaming in his, like, coma dream that she's his sister instead of Gary's. And when he wakes up, he's surrounded by the Clefairy and also a strange man who's in a Clefairy costume. I think I remembered this when I wrote my fan fiction. I think I subconsciously copied this. The Bill the in the Lighthouse Kabuto yeah. costume, yeah. Yep. If you haven't already, go back and listen to our fan fiction episode where Austin writes um or don't. A very very thrilling tale. Oh my gosh. Who's Okay, so who's the man in the Clefairy costume? Okay. This part I actually really enjoyed and appreciated because as we know in the show and in the game, you're already like friends with Professor Oak and, you know, in the show at least, you know, Delia and Professor Oak are like, you know, boinking. So this boinking. boinking. <laughs> so this iteration of Ash has no previous relationship with Oak. Oak is a renowned professor. He's pretty starstruck. He's like, oh my god, you are renowned professor, Professor Oak. Holy crap. And he doesn't know him already, which I think that's better, actually. Oh, you think it's better? I do, because he's not, again, like we said, you know, it's not like he had a pre-existing relationship with him. He didn't go and get his first Pokemon from him. It will say, it does kind of make ash seem to be a bit like advantaged over other people that he just so happens to be family friends with professor oak right so he, he has all these resources that other people don't have right he has oak's giant ranch so he can collect as many pokemon as he wants he has you know oak is all he's always calling him up and asking for advice and such mm-hmm. um so he has insights that other people don't have you're right that's a very big difference to have yeah it's completely different and he notes, he does note that, you know, this is Oak, you know, Gary's grandfather, you know, so he, mm-hmm. he's aware of that. Like, I just think this makes more sense. Like, he's rivals with Gary. He knows Gary because they live in the same town. They're peers, contemporaries, you know. Oh, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's your famous grandfather. But he has no personal connection. Delia does not know Oak. Oak is not hanging around for whatever reason. We know why he's hanging around. Delia, yeah, but. yeah. But I like this a lot better. You know, this and... Okay. Another thing to note is this... This oak is a... Is a... Dilf. I'll just What say. the fuck is this? Oak is like... Taken the design... Oak has taken the design philosophy of the later professors. Oh they're like, my god. Professors need to be sexy. And they like applied it to him retroactively. Yeah, this is it this is what Professor Sycamore was. Okay. Sidebar. Was Professor Sycamore like the first of this trend of like the sexy young professors? I think Juniper. No, oh yeah, been. Juniper. Not the dad. Not Cedric Juniper. I mean or maybe Cedric Juniper. I mean, I would argue Birch would be the first sexy professor, but go on. Okay. No, but I mean, like, the, the overarching trend of, like, young, sexy. Like, 
purposefully sexy. Yes. <laughs> well, fucking look at Kukui. Like, I mean, his. In the Starlight Violet people. Yeah. Okay, so what we've got? We've got Juniper. We got Oak with, like, his lantern square jaw and, like, his manly stubble and. Yeah, he's got a, he's, he, it's, it's pretty, like, in your face. And he's got, like, that charming, like, devilish sort of, like, vibe. Cocky smile, Han Solo-esque. Yes, very. It's not the dumpy Professor Oak that we know and love. Yeah, not the stupid haiku reading Professor Oak that we've got. The, I thought that was a really interesting take on it. I actually appreciated this interpretation of it. God, now I'm thinking about it. Ash gets introduced to so many people through Oak, and, like, the only reason he went to the Orange Islands was to get the special GS ball from Professor Ivy and, like, all this stuff. Yeah, they couldn't have just, like, FedEx that shit overnight, but whatever. Okay, okay, okay. We won't Ooh, go now, there. Now I'm kind of getting kind of mad about this. Ash, has- <laughs> <laughs> Ash, Ash is nepotism at work right there. As, as it should anger you. Because his mom's boyfriend is Professor Oak. Okay. Yeah, they're always vacationing in the islands together. Ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stop because we're gonna get too angry if ash didn't already have the privilege of like being aura powered and everything else all right all right, all right. that hasn't come up yet That's okay not, that has yet to be all right I'm, I'm spiraling out of control okay so oak tells him that he's been like researching in the mountains for like three months studying the clefairy would it would that make more sense than the seymour the scientist shit that we got in the game <laughs> or the show i mean i kind of miss seymour but yeah Seymour's a podcast favorite. That is true. That was that was classic. Classic out of the drying pan moment. But I actually kind of, another thing in my, because I, I feel like I'm always hating on Professor Oak in the show, but I kind of have to give a check in the, you know, Professor Oak, like score one Professor Oak category, because he's actually out there doing research like a professor mm. should. He's not just hooking a Magikarp up to some wires. That was, in, that was scary and terrifying. Here he dresses up like a Clefairy. Yeah, he's one with the Clefairy. Oh, and who else shows up? So, yeah, so he tells him that he's been in the mountains, he's been researching, as a professor would do, um, and that the next day, Ash is in for a really surprising, rare treat, because they're going to be witnessing a Clefable, Clefairy ceremony, and we meet Bill! (gasps) Dun-dun-dun! Someone's wearing a giant Pokemon costume in this chapter, and it's not Bill. Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Bill is relatively normal in this iteration. Bill's like a normal person. It's really weird. I know, it's kind of jarring. He's just a guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, he's, he's what Tracy wishes he was. Just, you know, the little sidekick to Oak's, you know, research team. Mm-hmm. But he's just a normal guy. He's like, admittedly a genius because Oak introduces him. He's like, this is Bill. Oh, yeah. And by the way, he's the guy that invented the entire Pokeball system. Which he was not in the anime. Right. That was Professor Akihabara. Yeah. Ash is starstruck not only by the fact that Professor Oak is here in his Clefairy costume, but also Bill, the genius who, you know, developed Pokeballs. Who's also well-adjusted and able to function with human beings. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. This is this is a really far departure than the characters we have come to know. Bill does not live in a lighthouse. He's not stuck in a Kabuto costume. He's not obsessed with the giant Dragonite. Come back, Pokemon! Come back, Pokemon! So they go off into the mountains and they are going to witness a Clefable evolution, which is really interesting. They dress up in like these culturally appropriative yeah 
well, we're, we're let's not that was a bad it's, poor it's taste. inappropriate yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i didn't want to touch too much on that because i was a little bit shocked i was like oh my god it's not good no it's not good anyway that aside they're going to witness this festival they have a bunch of meteorites which i guess are moonstones i now understand this that the clefairy are allowing them to like bless them with the moonstone so they can evolve like why do they need the humans there to do this they were like the special guest okay i thought they were gonna like sacrifice them to the moon gods but they were very cult-like like did you see those clefairies they had like drum sets and like little tables with glassware and drinkware and i thought they were gonna do a like like a blood sacrifice and sacrifice bill to the gods yeah bill's their friend by the way he found them yeah so that's basically it we have a very touching actually this part i know we're making fun of it but i actually thought this part was pretty touching this was really cool thoughts okay so the clefairy evolved into clefable like it's like a special set of clefairy meet conditions to be chosen to evolve and then they go out into the wild to explore the world even though they don't gain much power when they evolve and they're incredibly vulnerable to predators yeah so it's all a metaphor for the pokemon journey it's all a metaphor for the young person going out into the world and gaining experience in life experiencing life basically right so ash is that young person Oak and Bill reflect on their childhood journeys. Oh, this was cute. That was, it was really sweet. Yeah. Oak talks about how he remembers that day very clearly. You know, he remembers the bright blue sky, you know, setting off on his journey. He had a Charmander that he nicknamed Char. I know we talk a lot about nostalgia and stuff in this podcast and, you know, always having to take it with a grain of salt. Like, you know, remember the good, but also don't forget, you know, you're looking at it through kind of a distorted lens because you're filtering out all the bad stuff and you know yada yada but I don't know I thought this was really sweet because clearly Oak is an older person and he's remembering back in his youth just the magical sort of feeling that that invokes and like we get a little bit of the same from Bill which I wrote down his quote if I can read it go for it I don't know it just kind of sort of like touched something I was like oh this is really like profound to me so I wrote it down he tells Ash he's like One morning, just before my Ivysaur was about to evolve, I woke up and saw it happen. Bathed in the morning light, each petal slowly opened up one by one. A mystery of nature, a wonder of the Pokemon world. My heart trembled at the sight. Ever since that day, Pokemon have been the center of my universe. I don't know. I thought that was really sweet and touching. It was very sweet. I really like this because it frames the Pokemon journey at, you know, at this point, it's like year two of the Pokemon multimedia franchise. Mm-hmm. We don't know the world they live in or anything. So it frames the Pokemon journey as like a rite of passage mm-hmm. that young people do. And it's like, this kind of thing exists in real world societies. Like the sojourn, the the trip away from home and right. to come back and such. To basically, it's, it, it, you're growing as a from a child into an adult. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really interesting way to frame Ash's life. Yeah, it was touching. Plus, you know, the added, so not only that, you know, this whole rite of passage, personal growth, mental growth, you know, however you want to interpret this, because I think it means different things to different people, but also kind of the like evolution mechanics. Like, I know we've kind of touched on this before, but like when Caterpie evolved, it sprayed string shot all around itself and became a cocoon. Like, I like that kind of thing better 
than, oh, it's just glowing light and then it turns into its next form. Like this that Bill was describing. The ivy sword The ivy sword blooming and that's how it became a Venusaur. Like, doesn't that make more sense? Have you seen those fan art of, like, Pokemon in between evolutions? No, well, no. Like, like the intermediary stages? Like an the, intermediary really cool. stage between the intermediary stages? Yeah, like what would they would look like while they're transitioning oh. from one form to another. Yeah. That would be, that is super cool. I know evolution as a concept, it's like, okay, how do you do that, like, easily? It's like, oh, they just start glowing and changing forms, you know, especially in the games, you can't just have a slow progression or whatever, but... I don't know. I like this sort of more natural approach to it. Like, oh, okay, a, a plant Pokemon would flower and bloom. And that's the process of evolution. A bug Pokemon would encase itself in string shot, cocoon itself, and then, you know, metamorphosize that way. Or however, for the other types of Pokemon, Onyx could, like, dig itself into the side of the mountain and, like, collect more, like, gravel and rocks and stuff to become, like, a, you know, and harden and become, like, a Steelix. I don't know. Something, like, interesting like that. But... Mm-hmm. I digress. I'm getting into it, but I thought it was touching—a touching moment. There's also some interesting, juicy lore. Ooh. About how Oak—he was able to go. What did he say? He was six years old. Something like that. He was very young. He was much younger than ten, and he was able to go on research expeditions with his father, who was also a scientist. And that was kind of like different from Bill, because Bill said the year he was ten was the first year they had standardized journeys. The right. first year they had it, so that it was in- ingrained in the culture of taking a leave of absence from school. So I thought that was really interesting to show how the tradition has evolved. And it seems like Oak had a special permission to do so due to who his father was. Whereas Bill was the first of a generation before Ash mm-hmm. that had this become accessible to everyone. That's kind of a good point that you mentioned that. Because, yeah, Oak Oak comes from a family of researchers, clearly. I kind of thought it was interesting. I've never considered Oak's dad before, but, you know, makes sense. But Bill, so the relatively new tradition of, like, journeying as a, like, a standardized thing. Bill is not that old. Bill is, like, what, 20-something? Yeah, 30s. Yeah, so this only must have, I mean, if he was only 10, so if he was, like, late 20s, 30s, I mean, this has only been in the general sort of consensus for a short time. Because if you have to be 10 years old, so it's only been around for a relatively short time. Very interesting. I really like the world building uh, that we get from this. It's very, I guess it it exists, so it's very different from what we're used to. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's, it's interesting to get the insight of like what Pokemon would be if it was a little bit closer to real life kind of thing, like how it would work. And like, how does the culture work? Which they're still trying to hammer out, I guess, because it's still relatively new. Okay. Are we ready for chapter four? Chapter four. Chapter four, Haunting My Dreams. Ooh. I wonder what this is going to be about. (laughs) This one's crazy. This is a little bit of a departure from, like, the tone of, like, the first three. Kind of like, okay, happy-go-lucky. Oh, yeah, we've had some battles. This is a little bit different. We're getting to, like, the danger zone now. Highway to the danger zone. Sorry, we always say we're not going to sing on this podcast, but then we end up singing. Yeah, that was you, not me. It was. I had to. Oh, we should have mentioned Missy's not here. Oh, yeah. Where did we leave her? And She really? just, like, was like, we saw her in, like, a one panel, and she was like, well, I can't be following you forever. Give me money when you get the chance. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. So, Ash is going off on his own. Yeah. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, we haven't even, we don't have Brock, we don't have Misty, none of that. Well, we don't have Brock. Yet. 
for a little while. For a couple more panels, at least. <laughs> yeah, basically, for a few pages. Because Ash has arrived at the Saffron Gym, which is like a temple in the mountains. Yeah. Not in Saffron City, which is supposed to be Tokyo, so that's interesting. And Sabrina is not the Sabrina we know from Pokemon Oh the my gosh, this is an extreme departure. She could not be more different. She is an adult woman, for one thing. Yeah, she's a Miko. She is nice. She's very, yes. very kind-hearted, yes. sweet person. She nurses Ash back to health after he collapses outside the gym. Yeah, what was up with that? Is just because he was traveling for a while, or he should have gone with Oak and Bill for further ways before he got here? Didn't they have like a like a truck or something? Like oh, they the... were like hitchhiking on the back of another float, like a floating pickup truck. Yeah, why? I guess he just sort of jumped off, and they were like, "Okay, bye." I guess they were at a fork in the road. Yeah, Ash is arrived at the gym. Sabrina is the most kind-hearted, most beautiful young woman anyone's ever seen. She's not enslaving people in her fantasy dollhouse world. No, she's not. She does have a friend visiting her who is Brock. Yay, Brock's here. Brock's here and he he's wearing a more typical outfit. As one would typically think about. He's wearing his vest and such. Yeah. Well, he's hiking in the mountains. He still looks like a grown-up man. He is. They do. They're talk they talk about it. Ash calls him a grown-up. Yeah, because like one point, so he's like there, he's like, I'm here visiting my dear old friend Sabrina. Um, And the implication being that he has come on to her in the past, you know, romantically tried to court her and she has not been interested in that way. And so Brock makes some sort of like comment about like, oh, alas, like she's not into me kind of thing. And Ash is like, I don't understand grownups. And there's this weird thing. Brock is like, well, Ash, I think you also want to fuck Sabrina. (laughs) And Ash is like, yeah, dude. Like, they bro out. Oh, yeah, they do. This is not the Ash we know at all. Well, it's better than the the, uh, Takashi Shudo Ash in which Ash was very mean. I would take kind of like stupid kid having crush on girls Ash over... Yeah. misogynistic incel ash yeah. that we got from the novels yeah this ash i'm okay with like he, they had a li- he had a little like teasing with misty but nothing outside the realm of like unusual i'm like okay there's just some ribbing going on like they're oh i don't like you boys have cooties but i actually secretly like you kind of thing and then his little like crush on the older sister i mean that's typical and Classic. then now you're my younger brother or yeah, whatever it yeah was. <laughs> and then he has his little dude out moment with brock about the older pretty girl Sabrina. i need to know how old brock is supposed to be in this is he like um, 18 okay so if ash is 10 misty's 12 brock is, is brock still 15 no oh gosh i don't know because sabrina is very clearly like an adult she's she's like 20 i would say brock is probably like 18 17, 18. That makes it so weird. I, that's such a huge gap. Between him and Ash? Or yeah. him and Sabrina? Yeah, him and Ash. But yeah, he's much older, I think. That's the vibe I get. Anyway. He looks He looks it. He looks like an adult. Yeah. Anyway, Ash and Sabrina have a brief gym match where Sabrina enslaves Ash and turns him into a doll. Just kidding. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Uh, Abra teleports around and beats Pikachu, and Sabrina is very kindly like, "Oh, you can stay as long as you like." And it's implied he's going to rechallenge her at a later time, mm-hmm. which we never see. Unfortunate. Okay, so does he ever get the badge or not? I guess he does. How? Well, maybe from what he does in this coming up part. 
Yes, because the plot now is completely different. Yeah. Because now Sabrina has been called off to go battle the Black Fog. Ooh. <laughs> she's she's sworn vengeance again. Okay, can I just... I had a thought pop into my head just now. I fucking love the fact that the Haunter has a name because it's more of a... They do say this. They reference it. It's like a natural disaster. It's like a force of nature. This Haunter is like a crazy Haunter. It's like giant. It's like thousands and thousands of years old presumably you know what i got what i thought of i was like this is since it has a name and everything i was like this is like balerion the black dread from game of thrones this black (laughs) haunter i don't know it's like the black i'm sorry jacob's not here i don't understand okay i can't make game of thrones references austin has only sidebar again austin has only ever seen like what the first episode and the last episode of game of thrones pretty much yeah. Anyway, there's this there's this um dragon of of yore kind of thing, like one of the most fearsome, most insane dragons ever to have lived, the biggest dragon or something. I'm probably off a little bit. Game of Thrones fans, please don't come at me. But it's one of the most fearsome dragons to exist. But in this instance, it's not a dragon. It's a giant hunter, which is arguably more scary because it's a giant ghost that kills people. It kills people. It eats their souls. Yes. And apparently, okay, flashing forward a little bit, when Sabrina was 11 years old, this this giant demonic haunter killed all her Pokemon. And that's why she's seeking vengeance on it. And she's had a grudge for 10 years. Yeah, so she's 21. Good point. So everyone's surprised that such a sweet, kind-hearted woman, a gentle soul like her, could have such a streak of violent vengeance in her heart for this haunter. I don't know. I think that makes her human. I think it does, too. We learned this from her psychic friends yeah who were these people these people were like from a different world these people are wearing like handkerchiefs and goggles and like crazy outfits and shit and they look like they're gonna fight crime (laughs) in cyberspace or something even brock is like who the hell are you people yeah hold on okay so it wasn't really clear so sabrina gets called away on this mission and then shows up a week later in a coma and these I don't even know what you would call them. He's like Pokemon Ranger types. Yeah, vigilante people show up and they're like, we've been fighting the Haunter and it's like minions or whatever. And I'm like, who are you? Like, does your faction have a name? Like, do you have names? Like what? They just show up. We don't get an explanation. No, we do not. But Sabrina's going to die soon. And the only reason she's not dead already, the only reason she's in a coma is because she has, you know, immense psychic powers. So they could save her, but they would need to defeat the Pokemon first, which is an impossible task. Mm -hmm. So Ash says, let's catch it. And they're like, (laughs) it's enormous. We can't do that. He's like, let's just make a big Pokeball. And they're like, okay. Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. The Enormo Pokeball X1? Yeah. All right. Are we to infer then that the size of the Pokeball has a direct correlation to the size of the Pokemon? They said it has a capture net a a hundred times more powerful than a regular ball. So is it size determinant or like what? Because like if you have a big Pokemon like Onyx, does that mean you have to have like a bigger Pokeball to catch it? Or is this just an exception? I think this haunter is like a like it's like a god among haunters. It's a okay. So this is an exception. They're going all out. This is like okay. unlike anything that's ever been done before. All right. So they somehow build a giant pokeball with multiple buttons along the center. Yeah, I guess to catch it at various points, depending on 
the situation. Um, and I thought their plan was pretty crappy because the psychic vigilante people are on ghastly patrol. They're like attacking like the minion ghastlies by throwing pokeballs at them. Well, somehow Ash and Brock have ended up being the main attack force. <laughs> and they throw, like, Ash throws a pebble at the Haunter to wake it up. It's terrifying. Like, it's trying to kill them. And it's, like, 200 feet tall, so. Yeah, shout out to Onyx, because Onyx goes right into it and starts to, like, try to, like, constrict a ball of gas. But Brock does say that it's hard. He's like, a ball of gas shouldn't be able to, like, have any corporeal form, but this one has, like, a skin. It's, like, rock solid. Yeah. Weird. Terrifying. I wonder why it's not a Gengar. Because it needs to be traded, and nobody traded ah. with this. <laughs> you gotta trade it with a giant Machoke. Yeah. I should mention they're in the Pokemon Tower in Lavender Town, which looks really cool. Yeah, they went to Lavender Town. It's, like, an ancient ruin, and it's, like, giant statues of goddess women and such, and there's all this cool, like, kind of Final Fantasy-esque architecture going on. Yeah, it was kind of... Like, I kind of, I don't know, I got a, like, a, a Shadow of the Colossus kind of vibe. Like, the sheer scope of it all. Yeah, and then the fact that there was, like, a little cutout blurb where it was, like, Lavender Town is a structural ruin, you know, type site that has predated, like, Pokemon history. So, this is, like, an ancient temple, sort of, like, ancient Greek or ancient Roman-esque area. It was neat. Yeah. That's my intelligent insight. It was neato. It was neato. Okay, here's where I know, from what I could tell, it looked like the Black Fog used Dream Eater on Butterfree, Onyx, Fero, and Geodude, and literally swallows them yeah. in its mouth, and then spits them out, and when it spits them out, it's spitting out the Pokeballs. So, implying that it sucked the life out of the Pokeballs? I think it just hurt them so bad that they reverted to Pokeball form. Oh. And then it kind of spit them out like seeds. That's so sad. I'm pretty sure. That makes sense. Okay. Abra appears and Abra and Pikachu lure the Black Fog outside where they catch it in the giant Pokeball, but he uses explosion and gets out. Whoa, stop. Er, put the brakes on. Oh, er, 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 er. back it up. Eat, ooh, eat. So it used a move from inside the Pokeball. What? Yep. Tell me how that makes sense. This is a special haunter. And it knows explosion. What the fuck? It's a special haunter. I don't know. I was pretty shocked about that. I'm like, because usually, you know, as we know, the Pokeball catches the Pokemon and they're rendered like helpless and obedient. And this haunter is like, no, screw this. I'm going to use a move from inside the Pokeball and busts out. I was pretty surprised. And then it kind of got crazy. Uh, yeah, because Sabrina is telepathically communicating from her coma. Oh, right. She's like, the haunter's that way. And it's nearly dead. It's got one HP. It's got one HP and Ash throws a hyper ball at it. Yeah. Okay. So. A hyper ball is an ultra ball. Is that correct? Apparently it doesn't look any different. It's not like, because I think earlier on in a few chapters ago, it said Pokeball parentheses normal type. Mm -hmm. So like a regular Pokeball, a run of the mill Pokeball. And then we don't see a great ball. We And then at this point we see an, a hyper ball, which like you said, is analogous to an Ultra Ball, but it still looks the same. It's just on the very front button, it says Hyper. Maybe they didn't have the design for the Ultra Balls yet? Possibly not. Maybe the artist didn't have that information? Well, I mean, they could have taken some artistic liberty, but they didn't. I mean, they just drew it as a normal Pokeball with the word Hyper on it. But apparently this costs a lot more because Ash 
he laments that it doesn't when it doesn't work that it doesn't work it you, he, yeah he uses his last of his allowance on it so but it does work because haunter dies because it didn't want to get caught in the ball so it sacrificed itself and turned into like a hideous very much like a ray ayanami and evangelion type situation like a giant head that's been cut in half was that its body or was that a statue that was like knocked oh, over i thought that was its body i thought it had like calcified into like a solid corpse and part of it was like blown off oh maybe you're right okay i wasn't clear and that was one of the questions i wrote down because to back up and for a little bit of overall context so it uses explosion escapes from the ball it runs off somewhere they find it Ash is like, you're mine now with the hyperball because it's weakened. It gets caught in the ball, but it self-destructs. It it Again. sacrifices itself yeah, a second time because rather than suffer the humiliation or whatever of being caught, it decides to sacrifice itself. In the panel that Austin's referencing, it looks like this half a haunter head with like a vacant stare, like just like half, you know, like dead eye stare. But I couldn't tell if that was a statue of it because in the next couple panels sabrina's like oh it sacrificed itself because this one was like thousands of years old and was worshipped in ancient times as a god so i was like well is that a statue that the people built to honor Mm. this thing or is that it's actual half of its head that's blown in half like it wasn't clear not to me anyway it could be either way audience if you have thoughts on this if you have read this or you know are familiar with this let us know is it actually haunter or is it a statue of haunter (laughs) (laughs) anyway sabrina's awake now as you alluded to and she thought she'd be happy that the haunter was dead but now she just she just feels like crying she's so overwhelmed that's sad i can sort of see that like to be overwhelmed with a desire to like you know for revenge because that was her whole like life you know, her whole life's mission growing up as a, as a, from a young child to an adult to get revenge for her Pokemon that were killed by the Haunter. And now she doesn't have that goal anymore. Like, Haunter's dead and gone. So now what is she like? That hate that she was holding on to is gone. Revenge never, never feels as good as you think it does. Nope. I say as if that's actually true. It's not true. I love revenge. That's a good, like, mantra, though. <laughs> it's a good proverb because. I mean, it sort of leaves you with this emptiness, right? It's like her whole existence was based on, like, you know, seeking out this haunter, chasing it down, and getting revenge. And now that it's gone, it was kind of a really sad end. Like, it sacrificed itself. And she pities it. Yeah, died a horrible death. And, yeah, she pities it the way it went out. And now she's got kind of a void to fill. Like, what is she going to... What's her purpose going to be from now on? Yep. And then Team Rocket attacks... (laughs) <laughs> wait do oh, they oh wait no this isn't the anime no never mind you're used to them just attacking randomly i was like wait did i miss a page or like no, something like stick together because i was like oh wait we just sort of like ended it was like oh in the next join us next time yep that's the end of volume one yeah it's a kind of like a weird ending right it's like oh yeah this haunter like died and now i feel sad and okay see you next time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was it overall thoughts i liked it it's, it's definitely an interesting piece of Pokemon, early Pokemon media. I like it. Again, every time we explore these additional media products or, you know, soundtracks, extra stuff, games, you know, spinoff type things, it's always an interesting sort of exercise to see, like, where we've come from 
versus like where we are now. Like you said, this is kind of the early days where they're sort of fleshing out what they want Pokemon to be. Like they're getting their sea legs kind of, what are we, you know, what's this world going to look like? Where are we going from here? We've come so obviously now we're here <laughs> and it's just so different. It's so different. It's, I still, don't get me wrong. I still really love Pokemon. I still think it's magical in every sense, but there's, it's a little different. You know what I mean? Like there's not that like discovery. It's not standardized. It's not like the Disney. Yeah. Follow these rules at all time kind of stuff. Well, yeah, we have the rules now. It's been established for 25 years. Like it's, we're, we're pretty firmly cemented in what Pokemon is, but these early days, you know, we didn't have that. It was kind of like you said, anything sort of goes, artistic license. I kind of miss that feeling of like, ooh, what's next? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's next. Next episode, <laughs> Austin and Alex again, just the two of us. And we're going to cover volume two of this series, which is titled Pokemon Pikachu Shocks Back. Ooh, Shocks Back. I think that's right. So, how many volumes of these are there? There are four in total. Four in total. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, Austin and I are going to be covering the next volume, volume two. And the week following that, Jacob will be rejoining us for volume three. Uh, maybe. Possibly. We'll see what happens. Okay. One would hope. That's our plan. That is our plan moving forward. Again, kind of nebulous. Yeah. It's up in the air. It's woo, 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 woo. We could be doing an episode. We might be doing volume three with Jacob, but... Austin and I definitely are going to be doing volume two, covering that together. Yep. So overall, overall, I liked it. I liked it. It was a good extra piece of media, a little bit of a different take on what we're used to as far as the show. I liked it. Audience, tell us if you have read this or are interested in reading it, what is your favorite part? Favorite chapter? Favorite part of this? I'm interested to know. Go on eBay. You can probably find it for like 20 to $30 if you want to. Which honestly isn't terrible for old Pokemon media because if we're oh talking about the games. Don't get me started. Okay. <laughs> all yeah. right. You get, do you want to close us out? <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you all for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did talking about it. Who knew we could have gone into such a deep dive on the Electric Tale of Pikachu <laughs> Volume 1. Please leave us some comments, thoughts, questions, whatever you want on our socials that is out of the drying pan at gmail.com again out of the drying pan at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at out of drying pan again twitter out of drying pan and join us next week as the journey continues <laughs>